Hello, and welcome back to Football Boreal. Episode, <laughs> episode 21, long overdue. These, Indeed, yeah. these, these pesky full-time jobs that we've got, man. Yeah, they just I get feel... in the way of things, don't they? Like, life. Well, what is that? Like, why can't we do yeah. this all time? Like, that would be lovely. Can people pay us? That would be great. Let me step it up. Mind, I've got my... um. I've got my shell suit top on it, and I think it's probably the wrong thing for a podcast because it's very. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we're creating so much static electricity. There's going to be a fire in a minute. And I'm um, powering, powering yeah. my office at the minute. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, mate, we're, we're back for episode twenty-one. I hope you had a nice Christmas. Yeah, likewise, mate. I hope you had a good one as well. Um, at what point, though, do you like? <clears throat> Not like because we both obviously work like office work and stuff and have plenty of meetings and stuff. What is your cutoff for speaking to somebody for the first time since the break where you haven't said Happy New Year or belated Christmas? I mean, Christmas is different, but Happy New Year too. Like, what is your final day where you don't put that polite thing in your email where you say Happy New Year, best regards, like that kind of thing? First week, so I've stopped doing it already. Uh, Okay. I think I said I'd stop doing it now, but I think yeah. now's too late. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, with with me, I've I've seen a lot of the people that I work with in person already, or on meetings in the first like twenty minutes mm. of Tuesday when we came back. So mm. there's not many people that I would now say Happy New Year to, to be honest, because I don't really know like... them. unless they said it to me, and then I'll just be polite and say it back to them. But <laughs> yeah. It's such a British thing, though, isn't it? Like, not like just chivalry, just like manners and everything. Because it's like, I just <laughs> awkward social off. interactions to be like, oh well, do I say, do I say hello, like Happy New Year? Still, I haven't spoken to them since, and I'm initiating the conversation. There's a very interesting dynamic. There's a there's a politeness dynamic going on that that nobody yeah. knows you're playing, but know you're playing. Exactly. But I think. Exactly. That, as of the 15th, that's fine. I'm not saying Happy New Year past the 15th. Two <laughs> weeks in, people are sick of their lives already. Would, Blue Monday on Monday as well. Yeah, you should cut it off on this weekend, mate. Anyone you see this yeah. weekend as well that you know like in your personal life, do not yeah. say Happy New Year to them either. Nah. <laughs> just I just make it a habit. <laughs> Otherwise, we're doing it till like July or something. and then <laughs> <laughs> It's almost New Year. <laughs> <laughs> I quite, I quite enjoyed the the New Year stuff. I don't. Yeah, I'm not really that bothered about it. Um. Well, my wife was at work till nine, and then somehow she managed to stay up till midnight. And now our eldest, and we just watched. We didn't really watch anything like in particular, but then when it got closer to midnight, uh, we watched Jules Holland's hooting anything, even though it's shit now. It used to be mint, but now he's just wheel like Rod Stewart was there, I... clearly mortal. Yeah, clearly I... getting up to no good with uh, his blonde uh, black and uh, black and black and dancers, but um, it, yeah, yeah we, it, watched, it, it... we watched that briefly, and yeah, I agree. He's just wheeling everyone out, isn't he? Like, <laughs> just, there's always like Joss Stone. Like, what what, what what's she done for Christ knows how long? Well, she's been she was last relevant in like what 2004, something like that. Mm. She's just been she's she's like she lives in I think she's from Cornwall, isn't she? So I think she's just Somewhere been living on like a, some kind of off-grid thing for like twenty years, and then <laughs> oh yeah. shit, I've run out of money. <laughs> get, get me back <laughs> in the telly. 
I can't even remember the song that made her famous now. Um, I can't be asked. I'm not even going to bother Googling because I don't care enough. But it was just because she was there performing. She, she was one. Of the same, to be fair. As she does, in fairness to her, cracking. But the the thing with her is that the only thing that stands out about her is that there was a big deal about her singing barefoot. She always sings barefoot. I remember that. Yeah, I thought that was a bit odd. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, we just did that. We just we we just did that. Um, what about you? You were away, weren't you? Oh no, you come back for New Year, didn't you? Yeah, I was back for New Year. So we had um, my parents round, and, so, and that was it, pretty much. And we just chilled out and watched telly. So same sort of thing: watch the fireworks, Normal. watch a bit of that, watch BBC for a bit, and yeah, watch the fireworks. Not the telly. Of... Had a buffet. We made a buffet. buffet. Me and Do you yeah. love a buffet, you lad? And yeah. a barbecue. You love a buffet and a barbecue, you. Yeah, anything involves food. Like, the whole table covered in food, so you can't see the table anymore. Like, that that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, That's yeah. a buffet. Yeah, we made so much that there was far too much for, like, six of us. So, yeah. <laughs> That's what you do, though. You do, like, you always buy, like... It's because it's when you do, like, when it gets closer to the actual event of the day... You just buy more. You do more. end up, like... Oh, you, you, it's when you're in the shops and you think, oh, that might be nice, and you forget what you've got, and then you get home and it's like, like you'll get in the freezer or it gets binned. <laughs> There's so much gluttony in, uh, <laughs> over the Christmas period. Never Are you doing scary. anything in New Year? Have you done any dry Jan, any veganuary stuff? No. No, no, no. More no. me. No, no, no. I'm going to be more. I'm doing dry Jan like. I've carried and it was on a diff- as I ended last year. <laughs> Drinking and eating. Like it was no different. <laughs> <laughs> different I don't cake. think you've had a different... I don't think you've had a different day since, like, what, circa 2000, maybe? You just... Just carried on. So, it's is, it is yeah. 2000, isn't it? Like... <laughs> Mind doing... Um, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll get it out the way early, but um, doing Derby Day sober was... Uh, interesting experience especially yeah. with the result well normally it's like you're in oh weatherspoons at six o'clock in the morning ordering a pint oh, with like your in, your sandwich yeah, or whatever you're and you're nervous were you what? do you know no uh, because the, uh, you had nothing to lose really did you, you i mean there's a bit of pride but like the whole thing like we're doing this well after the event now but like recording this podcast well after so I, the emotions not as high, but I just think the whole handling of the derby from the day the fixture was announced by Sunderland has been like embarrassing. Really, it's gone beyond like disappointment. It was embarrassing. Like you've probably seen all the tweets and stuff about like the the whole men being redecorated, but it's like it's just a it was a list of stuff. So like the ticket allocation, then housing them in the home end, giving them extra tickets, moving the season ticket holders out, then allowing them to redecorate to protect the sun and stuff. It was just farcical. Like, no why, other clubs, that would never happen. Why Why do that? Like, I, I just don't understand why you do that. You're meant to make it like an intimidating crowd because you're inviting them to your home ground, surely, not making it comfortable for them. I know. Like, the, 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 the total allocation, you kind of hands are tied almost because they're entitled to that number. They're allowed, what, like 15% of whatever it is. But we didn't have to. We could have fought against it because of, like, the troubles and stuff, like, 
in fairness, it seems really well organised and the police have handled it really well because it's the first derby in such a long time that I, I was expecting people to run on the pitch depending on how the game went, but thankfully nobody did. It was just, I didn't go. I watched it with my brother and my dad just because like family commitments, I had to watch it on TV. But yeah, like aside from that, like aside from all of that nonsense that went on outside, which was farcical, I do think it's a bit of a stain on the ownership, which I don't think they'll recover from. Even like if we get promoted, that'll always be what they're remembered for, allowing that to happen. Mm. And I don't think they grasp the the gravitas of that scenario because I suppose that, that this ownership has never had a derby, have they? Nah. That was the first nah. one. Yeah. The first one. That's the first one in over a decade, I think, or something. Yeah. But I'm not even gonna go into like the the daft stuff like with the rivalry and say like, oh well it's took them because the thing that's went round is like the Newcastle fans like it's I'm trying to do it objectively, but like I can't because I'm a Sunderland fan. But the reality is the way they did their celebrations afterwards and taking the team photo, I kind of get it's just to rub it in a bit. But the reality is other people and teams have noticed it. And it's the fact that their squad cost 600, 700 million, whatever. I think it's probably 600, closer to. They've, we've had to be relegated twice. New ownership. They have, to be, they have to be owned by, well, they're not owned, but they are owned by a country. And they beat us 3-0 for the first time. Well, the first time they've won a derby in God knows how many years, over a decade. Yeah. And they went on like that. And it's like, we're, we are in a different league. But the, prob- the, the thing that doesn't sit with us, and this is the easy way to annoy me and rile us up, is... Newcastle are genuinely, and every everyone says this, but like obsessed, like our oh, fan base are obsessed about us and we're obsessed about them. But the reality is they've played bigger and better teams than us this season and we're still their biggest thing. Mm. They'll, and for all they'll say we're irrelevant, for all they'll say we're nothing, they'll play us, I don't know, they'll play us down and make us out like, oh, you're not in the same league, like as in generally, not just like the the tables like Newcastle's much bigger blah 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 but yet they're still punch downwards rather than up and they flip flop the mentality so one minute they're yeah. like no we're Champions League we're pushing for the title next minute is oh FFP's unfair because we're going to have to sell our best players and blah 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 and it's, it's the same for us like when they come to us it's like oh we're oh you'll never be like us you'll never be as big as us yeah because we can't compete with being owned by the richest country in the world so that's where kind of but moving on from that, it was the performance from my end. We gifted them the game. We scored no goal, which was gonna go in anyway. We get uh, we gave the ball away on the edge of the eighteen yard box unnecessarily and then we give a penalty away unnecessarily. Yeah. They deserved the game, deserved the result, absolutely, but the manner of the performance it was just baffling. And I think a lot of the players now have probably had their eyes open to the standards like Newcastle's pushing Champions League, so maybe it's not the best marker, but like if them players want to play for teams at that level, like the likes of Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, um, Dan Neal, Dan Ballard, I really do think they've had their eyes opened and were hoping for a response against Slipswitch to see actually they need to put the marker down because that performance for me was was just unacceptable. It was men against boys, but we didn't really lay a glove on them either, yeah. so... But that's yeah. So that's that was that. So get that elephant out the <laughs> elephant in the room address straight away. 
Fair enough, mate. No, that's fair enough. We had, we had a lovely result in the FA Cup, by the way. I, I <laughs> hate you for it. I absolutely hate you for it. I, have I told you why? Why? So I put it on the um, oh, our fantasy. You? Yeah, so I put it on the fantasy chat. So anyone listening, me, my brother, and one of our mates, um, we've started like a, a betting syndicate. But it's basically, we just put three quid each in, or three pounds thirty-three, <laughs> to be precise. We pick two teams each for both teams to score every week, and uh, so far we haven't won. I don't think. <laughs> so we've not been very good, but we've come close. Uh, and the closest we came was the week of the FA Cup games. We had early kickoffs, and up until the 85th minute, there were, like a lot of them were dead, but then they came in. And all we were waiting on was both teams to score Sheffield they Wednesday and Cardiff. Just needed Cardiff to score. And for anyone who doesn't know, because obviously Matt knows, do you want to tell them what happened in the first 10 minutes? They missed two penalties. <laughs> and you scored. Yeah, you <laughs> you scored the first minute. Mr. Pantley in the third. Mr. Pantley in the fifth. Who and... doesn't know the score as well? It's 4 0. Lovely, lovely win. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, was, it would have returned like 210 quid. I think it was 21. Uh, uh, yeah. Something like 20 to 1 or something like that. I, think, I can't remember the exact thing, but it was around that figure. And I was jokingly. Like sending pictures of like um, flight tickets to uh, Dubai and that because I was saying like oh with the money like we'll book a we'll, lads holiday at Dubai, jokingly. And then when they went to take a penalty, I was like oh putting the um, WWE wrestling music in like here comes the money 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 money. <laughs> they missed it and I was like oh, and then it was like oh god I can't believe it like they've missed the pen. And then my brother texted us again and said, there's another pen. I was like, come on, here we go. Missed that. I was like, you're joking. You have to be joking. Is they, I'm sh- and they missed an open goal. They missed a, like a one-on-one. It's just unbelievable. But I'll take 4 nil. Yes. And got to be 4 nil. So go on as you... Uh, what's, this, what's that saying? Like, go on as you mean, uh, intend as you... Oh, I can't remember. That. Yeah. Whatever. Like that. Whatever that's it. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I'm obviously traumatised by it. <laughs> We've got yeah, uh, Coventry in the next round. Oh, yeah? Yeah, at home. It's, so we've got Southampton tomorrow away, which, yeah, I don't expect anything of. But if we do get anything, I imagine the, Huddersfield the, might slip up and we might move out of the relegation zone like, if we get anything. The thing out. is, with, with you um, now... That, that I like because I've watched the game, like because of obviously the the bet and stuff. But Cardiff hammages, like bombardages for a while. Like I'd say for the last thirty minutes at least, mm. and they just couldn't score. And I just think if you look at that on paper and go just see four nil, it's that result just doesn't reflect the performance. Yeah. However, I've seen you play better than that and get beat. And the cup's the cup, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it it's... at the end of the day, it's not massively. I'm not massively bothered if we. So we've got Southampton tomorrow, which is the important one. Then we're playing. Coventry. Run. Then we're on. Then we're playing Coventry next week, and then we're playing Coventry again in the FA Cup. So oh, it's like a football manager tie that, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, you always get Coventry. tied with the. Uh, <laughs> the thing is with you, though, you're inconsistently picking up points, which is what you weren't yeah, doing we in the first. Last. Three. We beat Preston away, Hull at home, and then Cardiff in the FA Cup. So, 
Well, I mean, inconsistently, it's like there's been no... Yeah, then we lost to two... in Cardiff just before that as well. So we're just playing the same team <laughs> over and over again. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, to get a point from Southampton at the minute, that's a that's a big thing because they're just yeah. flying. They, well, as much as... Uh, we nearly uh, did and we were dog shit. So, yeah. I don't know. To be fair, though, we are the Russell Ma- Martin fan club here, so... No, oh, apparently so, yeah. I've changed my opinion of him, though. Have you? Yeah, I still think he loves himself. Like him, <laughs> yeah, start... I started dressing like him a little bit and sticking my hair back a bit more. <laughs> but uh, I've... did you hear what he said about um, when he was asked about Rishi Sunak being at the game? No. Uh, I, I, this isn't word for word, but essentially somebody said, the reporter said, oh, is Rishi coming down? He was like, not interested if he did. Wouldn't speak to him if he did. And he was like, how's that for honesty? And then just left the interview. Fair enough. <laughs> it was like, no other questions. I was like, I like him. So he's in me good graces. Down with yeah. the Tories. <laughs> but yeah. So... Yeah. Southampton's tricky tie. Well, not tie, but tricky tricky game. We've got Ipswich away as well, so... Yeah, it's a tricky one for you as well. I think, for us, we've been playing much better than we were. Like, obviously, we're third mm. from bottom now, aren't we? We're only three points mm-hmm. off Huddersfield, and they, they've been mm-hmm. shite, haven't they? So, like... And we've got to play them in first week of Feb. We've got to play Huddersfield and Birmingham. So they're two big games there. But well, I don't like the fact that um, Danny Roll was starting to use some of our under twenty ones. So you know, I said like in November sort of time, like our mm. under twenty ones are smashing teams, but none of them <laughs> get into the first team for some reason. And then he's pulled on uh, Bailey Kadamatri, and what is he scored? What five goals? I thought I want to say no, three goals in eleven appearances. So it's not bad for a young lad. No, but and he scored some important ones as well. Nothing to lose now, though. I mean, if you when you're rock bottom, you may as well try. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not so. I think the only the only thing is is when you do that, it's like you obviously want to bet in younger players when you're going through a spell of uh, or a good spell of form, so that there's not a lot of pressure because like you don't want to chuck somebody into like a into the fire and just watch them kind of sink because of a bad performance that might. It, like you can't have a bad performance essentially. So some people thrive under that, some people don't. But it's good to see, like, like you say, Kadamari's doing well, and he's are doing like okay. Like you out of that rock of rot of losing every game. Like there's wins in there now. There's better performances in there now. So I'm slightly changing my opinion, but I've, I've like the the. The predictions. I still think it's going to be a struggle for you, but I do think you're clawing your way out of it slowly. Plus, Huddersfield yeah. have been so bad. Huddersfield have been bad. QPR are bad. Mm. Um, Rotherham are bad. And we've started. QPR's in big trouble, like, to be some, fair. Somewhere or another, we've started to pick up something. Yeah. I think that's the change that's in manager. That's all you need to do. Changing manager, changing tactics he's using some of the players that actually are embedded rather than just using old random fuckers that we just got out of nowhere it's a weird but i just think the the weirdness of sacking darren moore it because I, 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 nah, nah, the, but the thing doesn't. is i think if if 
if Danny Roll keeps on the way he is, I think he is a really good appointment because he's younger. He's got more. I don't know. I just think Darren Moore, his style follows the club. So like industrial kind of. It's not like free flowing attacking football with the aim mm. of having youth coming through. I'd say he was more kind of like. He preferred like a more experienced player. Like I, I don't think you'd see kind of a revolution of your team. I think you'd be set up like that. And some players would go, then there'd be another kind of older head come in. Yep. Similar at Huddersfield, he's got like a, a bit of an experienced team there. But this Danny Roll seems to have a little bit more about him. Yeah. However, a couple of signings already. However, I just don't understand. I still don't understand why Zisco was appointed. That was just never. It just didn't make I sense. I don't understand what goes on in our chairman's brain most of the time, to be honest, mate. So, Does he? Like... <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I don't think so, no. Also, he needs a PR team, but we've spoke about that before. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to, uh, the second tier podcast, it's really good. If you don't listen to it, you should. But uh, the second tier, they did some of the best moments uh, of the year. One of them was that press conference where you introduced them and they were just reading out the comments saying, it looks like Zisco's being held hostage. And he's just like sat there like this. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. He, probably, he was probably like invited him in for lunch or something and then announced him as the man. <laughs> 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 he probably just said, like, oh, mate, do you want to come over? Like we've spoke before. Do you want to come in for lunch? Opens the door at a press press conference, sits him down. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I got a job." <laughs> yeah, oh, I think no. we're, we're ninth in the form table at the moment, which ain't too bad. Like we picked up, some, we've got a new um, goalkeeper on loan from Brighton. Because I think some some of the things that have been going on is um, as much as Cameron Dawson has been with Sheffield Wednesday for a long time and he came through the youth team and everything like that. I don't think he's a championship standard goalkeeper, to be honest. So I think that's why mm. they've focused on bringing that through. We've also brought in a Canadian... I don't know where what position he plays. It's like He was at Cardiff on loan. He's a striker, I think, but he scored four goals and 20 appearances for Cardiff on loan from Troy in France and then we've got him on they cancelled his loan and now we got him on loan and I was like I'm not, sure, I'm not sure why why unless they've seen something in him I mean he's not scored goals as a striker which is it's like getting Ashley Fletcher again isn't it <laughs> why are you even a striker but maybe he's very creative I don't know but it'll be interesting to see but he's played 20 games for Cardiff this year so hmm there's been a lot of like um weird loans like I feel I'd say the biggest thing that's happened in January is the absolute demolition of Plymouth mm. like that like obviously Schumacher has gone to Stoke they've appointed I can't remember the name of who they've appointed but it, it's a bit of a strange one then they've lost Whitaker. Whitaker's left now he's gone to Luton I rate him. I rate him. I rate him when he was at Swansea. The Swansea fans didn't really seem to get on with him too much, but um, maybe point is Ian Foster. Ian Foster, yeah, that's it. And he's the Eng- England under twenty manager. Hmm. It's like I think it's like Steve Stone. I can understand Steve Stone because of what he's done with the the younger lads as well. But but then obviously Whitaker's gone, who's like their main player. 
and then um, their most creative player, Aziz, has just been recalled and sold to Barra. So it's like, and um, there's rumours that the, um, one of their centre halves is being recalled and sold on as well. That's like your spinier team, basically. I know Whitaker's not yeah. a striker, but essentially forward mid- midfielder and a uh, defender, and your manager. It's just it's it's cr- it's crap. Like Where's like Plymouth play. Hmm. Where's Whitaker gone? Luton. Luton. Mm-hmm. He's barely. He was barely at Plymouth for twelve months. <laughs> <laughs> they signed him in the summer. But it's he was unknown though. I'm sure he'd been unknown. What, Morgan Wicker? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they signed him from Swansea. Permanently. In the summer. That's right. Um, yeah, if he's gone already, that's wild. <laughs> it's, yeah. But the, I, think he's, I think it's only for four million as well. But, the, but I can understand him going because it's a chance to play in Premier League and if yeah. you do come back down... You're a more like top-sided championship team because if Luton come down, they're really equipped now to like play yeah, top-end championship football yeah. and be there pushing. But it's uh, yeah, just I don't know. I feel sorry for Plymouth. Like it's crap because it's like vultures in it. It's just yeah. like the Premier League do to the, to the Championship. Like, look at us with like Jack Clark now at the minute because he's he scored That's twelve wow, and twenty five, and West Ham's sniffing about. And I like, I don't mind being like players being linked out as long as we get a fair fee. Like, if Jack Clark went now, and I think a fair fee for him is twenty million plus, just because of how good he has been in um in the Championship for the past two seasons, like. He's hitting double figures, and he's he creates goals as well as scores them. And I think he's English. He's twenty three. If you if if it wasn't something, people would be like, "Oh, you're looking at like like Alex Scott didn't he go to didn't he go to Bournemouth from Bristol for like twenty plus million? Yeah, he did, yeah. And his his stats were like under what Jack Clark can do, but. Where where little old Sunderland? Well, we don't have that apparently. <laughs> but I'd be I'd sad to see him go. But as long as we get that money, twenty million. Like, yeah, you can reinvest. I'm just picking from that level. You could probably re twenty million for a player at Championship level. You could bring in some younger players for a couple of million each, and you could build like a squad rather than by selling one player, can't you? It's a bit it's, that's football it's, manager in it somewhere. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's having the ability to, it's basically copying Brentford. That's essentially what we're trying to do on a smaller scale. But the, the thing is, when you mention Brentford as a comparison, people think, well, oh, well, they signed Ivan Tony, And it's like, no, they had to sell Ollie Watkins to then get Ivan Tony to then get the next person because he's yeah. going to go for what, like 70, 80 million? The way Brentford do it, essentially, what they do is they buy undervalued players. They they basically play money ball, don't they? They buy undervalued mm. players from undervalued nations that can bring a higher value for a low fee. So essentially yeah. what they're doing is that's why they get a lot of Scandinavian players because Scandinavian players traditionally aren't like Dan's Garden stuff. compared to like buying someone from Spain or France or someone like this or Brazil even. 
Like they're, mm-hmm. they're proper undervalued, but then they actually turn out to be quite good. And then they sell them on for a profit, but they've always got a player in the background that they know they're going to replace him with that's half or even a quarter of the value of what they're going to sell this player for. I think and younger, like yeah. I think it, it's just it's it's difficult because I don't know where we sit between because all Brighton, Brighton well. Brentford, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like with Brighton, but Brighton, I feel they do it a little bit differently because I think Brighton do. Just basically sign South American wonder kids out of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> They've just got like a wonder kid factory in Chile or something like that, and mm. and they just all the South American wonder kids go to a Brighton academy in Chile, and then they get signed. They're scouting, but that's a, like, but that, you have to. But but like I feel like with Brentford, I think they do more of the moneyball option, whereas Brighton, I don't think it is a moneyball thing. I do think it's like a a, a scouted player that the North or factory isn't it so they will happily hmm. sell one of their players for a stupid amount of money because they know full well on their radar they've got three or four players as a replacement for a very small mm-hmm. fee from some obscure country that no one's ever heard of before i think do you think or with the american academy their academy is pretty good as well isn't it probably mm-hmm. like do you think and i mean i know chelsea's a bit of an anomaly with their, the way they did their transfer business in the summer. But do you think that, like Kai Sado, for example, he was a, he is a good player. He's obviously having his challenges at Chelsea at the minute. But at Brighton, obviously, he stood out massively. Like he, was, he was settled. And I just think, do you think the transfer window might change? Not so much January, but transfers in general, where I feel like we might see less 100 million players so often just because of the risk now because Caicedo's like really struggling at Chelsea Mudrick's yeah. really struggled he I know he wasn't 100 million but he was really expensive and then Brighton so like Bright, who, who did Brighton sell in the last window they sold Caicedo who like else did they sell McAllister um, no, I can tell you yeah. so they sold yeah McAllister Isado for 100 mil, Robert Sanchez for 25. Keep that. Um, yeah, I think that was about it, wasn't it? There's a few other little ones. So what's that, what's that nearly 200 million in transfers? Yeah, in. pretty much. And then they bought That's... in, They, I think their highest value in transfer was Bart Verbruggen from Anderlecht for 16 million. Like Billy, did they pick up Billy Gilmore last season as well? Uh, not not this on season. Not this season. The season before. Um, but 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 again, it's just like I, I, I don't like I don't understand now where how Man United can get it so wrong. Billy Gilmore because... cost them nine million, by the way. <laughs> that's fast. But the, like that's what I mean. Like I, I think look... they, the players that they've signed, like. Stupinan fourteen. He's he's probably one of their highest. Asensio. Yeah, I know that Asensio wasn't recent, but was like nine million from Libertad in Paraguay. Like he, he's going to go for Buenanote for five million from. <laughs> he's like, going to go about ten times that. They all will. Like it, it's ridiculous the amount of money. Like they sold the season before. They sold Batuma for twenty five. That's um, yeah. I was that's what I was thinking about fifty six. Neil Mopay, they signed for fifteen. Mi- they sold fifteen million. <laughs> like it's Everton, Trossard, twenty-one. 
Like, it's ridiculous. It's mad. And they're still competing. They've had injuries and stuff, but then they've still got, like, like Ferguson. They'll probably sell Ferguson in the next year or so. Yeah, but that'll be and that's the thing, like, but that'll be another like eighty, ninety million because he's like the he looks like the Harry Kane remake, doesn't he? Like the 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 deep deep line forward. But yeah. it's just like I look at us and I just think with with Sunderland, we're we're still so early in that journey, and the differences aren't comparable. Because when people talk about Brentford and Brighton, Brighton, they go like, "Oh, we're limited to the Premier League," but you don't realise how long it actually took them. You forget that, like Brentford missed out in the playoffs how many times? At least three like, or four, wasn't it? I think. Uh-huh. And then, like the way the management model have kept the same manager, they've stuck with them. And then same with Brighton, they kind of got up and they struggled. Like they had Chris Hutton in charge for such a period of time as well. He'd done a good job, kept them up. But it's like it's 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 it is a um it's it's like transforming every year and every year it's just incre- that's the word I was looking for, not transforming incremental growth. Whereas like with Sunland, we're so early in the infancy of that process that the changes from from us now aren't as noticeable but like we look back and I, every, I have to remind myself that there was a period of time in league one where just before before alex neil took over where we had players like i looked through our squad we had um lynch who we released on a free that we picked up on a free aiden o'brien on a free um uh going i can't remember if he was probably on a free like, i keep going through the list of names of players like we had mcgeady who was well past it but he was there grant ledbetter and chris mcguire in our team and now i look at our team now and look at the transformation we've got try hume has got one of the best like he's probably one of the best if not the best right backs in the league dan ballard dan neil um patterson who's like that sniffing around the uh, international scene, we've got we had Ross Stewart who we sold for ten million, which we signed him for like two hundred and fifty k, so massive. And Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, and you look at the team now compared to where we were, and it's like there's so much more value in that because most of the players that we used to have, we would either be released or retiring basically. Yeah. Whereas now we're definitely. I was going to say the good thing with your model is like you're bringing in. You're doing that thing. You're bringing in those younger players to make the squad younger, but you're also bringing in some... When you are bringing in an older player, you're doing it Mm -hmm. because of the right reasons and because they're free, like you did with Bradley Mm -hmm. Like Alex Richards probably is one of our best signings. Yeah, experienced championship players that can just help the younger players in bed, but they're not on long-term contracts and they're not costing Uh, a lot of money. And that's there's the way to do li- it, really, isn't it? Rather than bringing in a- old players for bagfuls of money as the last payday and just fuck up all the team, you build a young squad with experience on short-term contracts. Do you think what Brighton did a- with James Milner, maybe, as well. He's yeah, that's, it's, exa- like, that's- it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it, really? It's exactly that, to be fair. I do think, for from our side, the fans... We want to get there as quickly as we could, and possibly the derbies maybe made us think actually we're miles off it. Like we're, we're in and around the playoffs, but we're miles off the Premier League. But I do think that we do have a slight imbalance of players now. I do think we need one or maybe two more older heads. Like that, we've been linked with a, 
pretty much every striker in who's a professional footballer at the minute, but we've been linked with Kiefer Moore, who would be ideal. Like he's the right stature of player. And we've got we've picked up a couple of injuries in defence, so I wouldn't mind maybe a, a, another kind of older head there, but we'll see. But I just think the balance is ever so slightly off in terms of young players now because we signed four strikers in the window. We signed uh, Hamias Semedo, who's been awful and doesn't really look up to up to standard anywhere near it. I think he's just out of uh, his depth, isn't he? Like he's come to at the minute, yeah. He doesn't look like he's quite strong enough to be in the championship. But he, he's obviously very good in Portugal, but he's quite slender, isn't he? And I imagine like he gets mm. chucked about a bit. I don't watch like Sunderland games that much, but I imagine that he's he's just not. It, He's just non-existent, really. He's just not there. You bring him on, and he doesn't do anything. For yeah. a big, for a big lad, you're right. He does get like brushed over pretty easy. Then Jumped you've got Mayenda, who's a, a little bit of a striker slash winger, who hasn't really had a chance to get a look in. But when he has played, again, doesn't really look that good. And I think that's where we are now, where we've got an expectation that we are signing younger players for development, but there's a certain standard because the way, the way Jack Clark's performed, the way Dan Neal's in his first full professional season last season um, has performed, the way Dan Ballard's performed, Sirkin, Alessi, there's a certain level there that we expect now, plus we reached the playoffs, so that doesn't, I think we were successful in getting to them, but maybe too early. And this season, we're obviously thinking, well, we've signed these players to improve, yet it feels like we're struggling a bit more. But, I mean, we'll see what happens in, in this window. But, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. And I just think the appointment of Michael Beale's bizarre. Yeah. Really bizarre. That was a strange not... one. I thought that was really I odd. Was... I, don't, I, don't, I don't get why he's there. But, again, I've, I've got a dislike for him. But he hasn't done anything wrong, and I obviously want him to succeed. But I just can't warm to him. I, d I don't know what it is. I just he just doesn't feel right. Do you know what I mean? It's like do you know when you like yeah, walk in a room and you think like something's not right here. Like what's what's going on? And then you see him there. And you're like, oh fucking hell, not you. <laughs> like, Ugh. But anyway, so I mean, what what has Michael Beale done? That's the thing. He's 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 reputable. If you talk to the coaches and the backroom staff of people, maybe he should be a like, manager then. <laughs> I you think so, but he was the, the the thing that really knocked us is he got a stain on his name because of the way he handled his exit at QPR. He got his first professional manager job at QPR mm -hmm. after being assistants and coaches under like Gerard and stuff, and um. I think he was out in Sao Paulo as well, like which is fair play and like like for doing that and learning a different language. Like he clearly knows football. I'm not kind of suggesting that, but it's just I don't like his. I don't think his values are oh. in the same. Because like he went from he, he got he got offered the Wolves job or he was linked with the Wolves job the whilst thing. he was a QPR, rejected it or turned it down or like written off basically. And then within a week later or two weeks later or something, he was unveiled as the Rangers manager. Yeah. Which made a, ridiculous. There's a quote that he said when he turned down that Wolves job. And he said, yeah. integrity is a real big thing for me and loyalty. Week later, <laughs> he went to Rangers. But he was, but I mean, at Rangers, though, he... He had a really good win rate at 23 season, they didn't win anything. 
they didn't, but he, he had a, a good percentage win rate, which is where whereabouts statistics and stuff. The problem, uh, the, there was clearly a fallout with Mowbray and the board behind the scenes because the weren't yeah. the transfers haven't been good enough. And before him, Alex Neal said the same thing. And before him, we had Lee Johnson, who is now advertising webinars on LinkedIn because he's just got sacked at Fleetwood. So it's um, it's interesting that our past two managers and even Beale after a week of being in a job and playing quite a few games in the festive period said like he's turned around to look at the bench and the bench only gets younger and it's like well you know what you hate like the, the, that's the point I like, it, may, it makes me think his philosophy isn't the same as what the way the club wants to go but the thing is the club say oh he's more aligned to our vision they've said this manager's more aligned the, for the past three appointments Alex Neal is aligned he knows he's, uh, he left because he didn't have control over transfers Tony Mowbray has had a falling out and when he was unveiled as Birmingham manager, it said he's got more input over players. And then Beale hasn't mentioned anything about transfers, but he said that he hasn't got the ability to change it because of how young the bench is along those lines. So, it's, it's, I don't know. Just, I don't just know. looking at... So, obviously, he was at Rangers in the summer. These are some of the transfers he bought in at Rangers. Todd Cantwell, I know, was one of them. Um, yeah, Kieran Dowell, Jack Butland... Um, Leon Balogun, like a lot of them, over twenty-five. Mm. Some in there, well, Leon Balogun's thirty-five, but yeah, like with with the, the, the and this is where the, 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 I'll take the the, the conversation now. A lot of twenty-one, twenty-year-olds and things like this. Mm. So is well take the conversation to on this then. So he was. <laughs> Uh, manager, he was manager at Rangers, mm. and now it's Sunderland. He's only head coach. Like we only appoint head coaches because we've got a director of football, it so we don't need a manager. Football. Yeah. So, however, however, do you think the shift from manager to head coach makes that much of a difference in in this example for Beal, because his transfer business hasn't been great for Rangers, as you said, I but then he's coming. It'll probably be better for him because clearly he's a good coach, isn't he? Mm. Mm. Whereas the manager, if he's got someone else to do the signings for him and give him the players, then he can coach them. If that makes sense. Mm. So maybe it works out a bit better, and that's why they're saying this aligns with our vision because they don't want the manager to do the transfer signings. They want the manager to coach the team and put the team out and do philosophy and tactics and things like this. Whereas they got the head of uh, director of football to do sign-ins, player contracts, that sort of stuff. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think so. I, I'm more in the camp of like the the, the trans- you, 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 in my opinion. Yeah, like you, you you live and die by your transfer windows, like you will. And I think that there is some value to his opinion into the transfers, clearly. But what I don't think. For Tony Mowbray, I don't think his opinion was as valued as he thought it was going to be. So, right. like, my brother, me and my brother were saying, like... The thing is, that... though, Tony Mowbray's old school, so he expects... I imagine he I used to all his transfers, didn't he? Like, he would do them all, and then mm. he probably found it difficult working with someone who says, oh, yeah, I'm after this player, and he's like, why? Like, we don't need that. And then they're sort of heads then already, aren't they? So, 
But in fairness, he, he was clearly the reason Bradley Dak's here, and Bradley Dak has been signed to replace Alex Pritchard, and Alex Pritchard's 10 times the player he is. I think it's yeah. unfair for Dak because he's obviously had bad injuries, but he's come, he's made no impression, he played a couple of games, got in in front of Alex Pritchard for some reason, and then didn't do anything, and arguably he's been pretty poor, and that was Mowbray's one signing. So I think yeah. really he's not really got... He's got... He should have. I mean, he was on a C, so. And, uh, but it fits the model, like you say. But the thing for the the, the thing that I think with Mowbray that's happened is like me, and we, like I said, me and my brother were talking about, it and it's like basically your wife turning around to you and saying, "Let's get a takeaway for tea," and you're going, "Oh yeah, absolutely," and then saying, "What do you want?" And it's like, "Do you want uh, Italian? Do you want Chinese? Or do you want an Indian?" And then you go, "Oh, I don't know about an Italian. Uh, I fancy an Indian," and then. Coming out, coming in with a McDonald's, like none of it was an option. <laughs> these are the, these were the three options that we were looking at. But you've went out and got a McDonald's, a McDonald's, yeah, and brought that in. Like I'm, it's okay. Like I'm, I'm gonna eat it. We're still having tea, but like that's not what I. Yes, there's and you've given you've the opposite. Went and done what yeah, you wanted anyway, and I think that's probably what's happened. But we'll see. I do think our recruitment and recruitment's always something you'll judge in hindsight because you can't with unless it's like a clearly well-known player like yeah. like even when we signed Jack Clark and Pat Roberts it was like doubts about them because he'd failed at Spurs he went from Leeds and then had really poor loan spell at um I can't think off the top of my head where he went to QBR I think and didn't do much and then he came to us and then he's flying Patrick Roberts he's bounced around from club to club to club since a big move from City and then kind of set it alight at Sunderland he was always like, a, like a, you could argue he was a bit of a, a bit of a wonder kid when he was younger, weren't he? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Especially in Fulham he, as well, he, weren't he? He was very good. Yeah, player. Fulham. But then, so there's always like that kind of risk in the, the transfers, but you'll know some of the names, like a lot of the names that we signed this season. Like I couldn't I didn't know who Nazari Royston was. I didn't know Himeus Samedo. didn't know... Uh, Newey Burnett, any any of them. You knew Joe Bellingham, but, didn't you? Yeah, you knew Joe Bellingham. I think he will be a good signing, but he's he's done nothing. And I think there's starting to be rumours about his playing time being part of his contract because he's cl- he, there's games where he's clear, clearly gassed. He hasn't that done anything, happened. not influenced anything, and he's still on the pitch. And you're like, yeah. something that's odd. His, something that's odd. His agent there, isn't it? blatantly. Well, well, maybe, but. Again, if he does the business, there's no issue. But if you're not, then then it's an issue. But then players need to rest. Some sometimes it's sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're only putting them in because they said, oh, they have to play X amount of minutes, otherwise their agent gets pissed off or something like that. Yeah, but then, but like I say, I'm not trying to dig the players out. And the problem is in in the model feeling, or it's not field transfers. You can only tell in hindsight. Like you won't know until that player started to play. Royston, yeah. we signed him, and he's only started starting now, and he got his first goal. Like it was comically like a striker hadn't scored at Sunderland since Ross Stewart, and he's been out. For, he was out for about six months, <laughs> and then when he scored, it was like the pressure felt like it had been lifted. And then you can't judge him against Newcastle. He worked really hard, beat Dan Burn for a header, and he's he's about your height. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go, and then. <laughs> There's just the like I say, Mendes, Semedo, um, few others just aren't at the at the 
at the level that we need, and that's where we sh- we're struggling now because it's like you'd say to anybody outside of it, we're sixth in the league. Me saying we're struggling based off of how much we're spending is madness. But the it's I think there's just been quite a few changes, like Mowbray going, the signings that we've got, the derby, like the handling of it, not so much the performance or the result. But you know, it just feels like I feel awkward. And I feel like it's at the minute it's like we need three or four wins in a row for it to be back on track in the fans' eyes. Whereas if we get beat off Ipswich, likely to, just because of the form they've they've had this season, maybe not right now, but their ability to score goals. I just think the way we were performing under Mowbray in terms of the style of play is much nicer than Beale. But then it comes into a different argument where you go, would you take a one nil scrappy win and get promoted? Hundred percent over. Uh, so that's the thing. It's like it's that balance, but we'll see. It's I'm I'm not enjoying the season as much as I was last season. It's not and it's not because there's not as many wins or things. It's just I don't know. It just feels like a lot of the decisions that have been made have been poor. But again, owners can make bad decisions, just like players can have bad performances. So mm. there we go. I just saw. Um... There we go, mate. Ipswich have signed Sarmiento from Brighton online. Good news. But they've just had their strikers. They're struggling for strikers, aren't they? So, Yeah, they are. Well, before you bring us any more bad news, uh, we'll go for a quick other... short break. Is there any other news you want to cut, touch on? Uh, is there anything that you've seen pop up? The, the only thing I've seen... potentially winning La Liga? <laughs> The only thing I've seen is, um, and it's again, it just says like I'm trying to have a go at Newcastle, but Newcastle fans complaining about FFP and having to sell their best players to to sign that's, players. And it's that's like, just normal. Like, that's how businesses are run. <laughs> like, and then, so, so, I've just seen a tweet come through, and it's so by it's, um, players like that. That is a thing. You can't have a squad of four hundred players and just. Well, but they were bemoaning, they were bemoaning Man City being able to do it and bigging up FFP when they didn't have the Saudi state-owned ownership. But now they've got all this money and they're not allowed to spend it. Well, it's not that they're not allowed to spend it, they just can't spend all of it and yeah. go into massive loss. I've seen this tweet from one of the um, producers at Sky. Uh, say, Newcastle fans complaining about FFP. Over the last five windows, your net spend has been 352 million, 215 million more than Man City's in that period. In that time, you've sold two players for over 10 million, one of which was Chris Wood, who you sold at a loss of 11.2 million. This was inevitable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not that's, just that's not the fact that they've got a load of money and they can't spend it. Their transfer business, like net spend, has been horrendous. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it, really. Like you have to sell to buy players. You can't just splurge a load of money and get into a load of debt. That's what FFP is there for. But then the problem then is obviously the the richer clubs can get around it in some way or another. I think the Chelsea thing, selling all their dead wood to Saudi Arabian teams, is a bit dodgy. But you know. Ah <laughs> uh, well, I think there's only other, no, there's only one story right that. <laughs> There's only one other story that I wanted to um, to talk about, but then uh, before we do that, I just thought like if you look at, I, I think for Newcastle, like the thing is like they obviously need to spend 
but it's to keep them in the top part of the Premier League. Like, the, the morning about injuries, everybody's got injuries, Brighton's got injuries, Arsenal's got injuries, whatever. But they're not going to get relegated, not in a relegation battle. They're easily going to be in the top 10. Yeah. Like, they're going to get money. And then next season, they'll have all the Champions League revenue. They'll have all of these Saudi-backed uh, sponsorships that they've done to get around FFP to be in place. So they just need to shut up, put up root for this season and go again next season. Like, it's like yeah, it's exactly. just frustrating. Just shut the fuck up. But the only news that's sprung to my mind is the fact that Eric Dyer has somehow managed to get a transfer to Bayern Munich. Do you feel that is a Harry Kane contract clause? Because, like, have you, when you play football manager and you sign someone from a foreign country, I've done this before when I was... You've got to bring a mate. You've got to bring someone to help him feel at home settle. and mm. settle. Do, did they say, Harry, do you need someone here that's one of your friends that we can get for cheap, that we can bring into the squad to help you settle into being at Bayern Munich? And he said, yeah, can you bring over Eric Dyer because he's out of contract at the end of the season? He's not good, though. He, no, he's yeah. had, like, what, I remember but, one good season. He's cheap and it's a no-brainer for him. If they have him for a year on a contract, let him go, and Harry Kane is settled, then... That he's done his job. <laughs> are, they, are they good friends, though? Like, I think so, yeah. Are we just saying that because he's English and he played for Tottenham? No, I think they are. I think they are. No, I think they are. Did you watch the... Um, I mean, he's, like you say, he's in... Like, did you watch the, the Tottenham documentary? Documentary, yeah. I think they were good mates in that, from what I can remember. But... The- I just think, yeah, for, like, he had six months left on his deal, so I can understand the fee being smaller, but I just don't see, like, it's bizarre. You, it you must be one of those signings that they brought. I mean, he can speak German and he can speak Portuguese. Like, I get, I, it's not like he's, it's a, that much of a risk for them, but, like, he's not, he shouldn't be playing. Like, no. But then again, I don't know much about Bayern's injury list or whatever, but again, who cares? I just thought it was a, a left, left field. Uh, funny. Have you got any other stories? Yeah, I, I thought. So this, so, what do you think of Spurs signing Timo Werner? But then also, uh, they've signed Radu Dragusin. Dragusin. Mm-hmm. Did you see what his agent said? No. So his agent has come out and said nothing about Spurs, but he said. My um, my client wants to play for the best teams in the world, so that's Real Madrid and Barcelona. <laughs> nice start. So, so essentially, he's signed for Spurs, and his agents just slagged off Spurs, so they're, no not, they're not a big team, but they're a stepping stone for him. <laughs> I mean, that's well, not a great way to start. Is it? I, I just wonder if sometimes the players will see that and go, "What are you doing? I'm not even in the door. Like, what are you doing?" Yeah, but it's not him. Oh, will the players be bothered? It, it? It, I don't think it's him. I do, I do think he's a good signing, though. Football yeah. manager signing, that's the only reason I know. But mm. I think, um, I don't know, I feel like the team of Werner, he, if you play him as a winger, I think he's a good signing. I do. I, do, I, like, a, I know he had a, a good backup. Tough... And I, I, do, like, I, I think like... he'd be a star. When he was, he needs to get his form that he originally had at Leipzig because he was class when he was at uh, first year at Leipzig where he came through. He was fantastic. He he couldn't stop scoring, could he? He just needs a bit of confidence, really. And I think some yeah, of the, I, I think he fits Spurs 
better than anything else. I I do. I feel like he is more of a Spurs signing. Plus, Postacoglu, like he seems to be getting the best out of the players. Like everybody's yeah. been performing well. So, if I was him and Tottenham came in for us, and I've seen how they've been performing under him and how he conducts himself, I'd be like, I'd go and play for him. If you're a hundred percent player as well, I think he's probably one of the best managers to play under him and probably Jurgen Klopp in terms of mm. like confidence thing. Yeah, if you're a confidence them. player, you would go to one of those because they will. Even if you're having a bad day, they will still say you're really good at this. You're amazing. You can still do it, and then it builds mm-hmm. confidence. And I feel like Timo Werner is a massive confidence player, isn't he? Yeah, I think something that Postecoglou said in one of his interviews is that he, the thing is, he tries to get the players to remember why they started playing football, yeah, and the love for the playing the game. And it's like, like if they still had Madison, I think they'd be competing, <laughs> like because Madison just looked like. I don't know, like, it's not... A different he was just, player, he looked... Uh, completely different like, player. I've always thought he was good. Yeah, but he like, went up a level. I was, so it's just a shame to lose him, but then, yeah, I do think it's a... Uh, I think Werner's a good signing for Spurs, I do. And hopefully he'll come good, and when he drops in... I don't know if he's dropped into the playing pool, I might put him in, actually, in the contracts. I think he has, yeah. Unless he's, unless he's been swiped up. But yeah, mate, let's go for a quick break. And when you come break. back... Um, we can tell you about. Uh, you can tell us a little bit about War Jimmy. Yeah, War Jimmy, and a bit of your your fella, <laughs> Wolfgang Hess. <laughs> and we're back, part two, part two. Part two. The floor is yours. I should Let's say go on part the... because <laughs> Jimmy's no longer. Well, he's got his turkey teeth. He's got a glow up. <laughs> He's got a bit of a tan. I should say he's tanned. He's, he's Scottish, so he's probably burnt to a fucking crisp. Burnt. Mm. And he's moved to France. So, he managed to finish second with Gaziantep in the Turkish Super League. Turkish Super League is it's a good stepping stone league for someone who's up and coming, but also a good league for people to sort of retire in, should we say, as well. Because, yeah, it's... Sorry. <laughs> You just dropped something. I just dropped something. Yeah, I dropped the, the, yeah <laughs> you dropped the bomb. I'm in shock. I dropped my mic. I knocked it over. I'm fuming. He's left. Um, but yeah, so second place, which is qualification for the Champions League. So yeah. he got to about November. So he did play some Champions League games with Gaziantep. They did okay. They were It was that stupid Swiss model group stage thing that's about 40-odd teams. Aye. And they were, when he left, 21st when he left them. So there was a, some weird results but some good wins as well in the Champions League it was sort of steady but I think they were as far as he was going to take them like Mm. I say that but then I'll tell you what happens next but yeah um (laughs) he felt like this is Jimmy talking like he felt that he if a job offer came in because he never applies for jobs Jimmy doesn't apply for jobs he just does his job at his current club until someone else comes in (laughs) for him that he thinks might be a good move. And um, he was in Turkey. The reputation of the league is a lot lower than the big five leagues in Europe, you'd, you'd say. And mm-hmm. a team from Ligon came in for him, which was Auxerre. Yes. Now, looking at... I did a bit of stuff before he went... He, he went to Auxerre, by the way. But, like, yeah, yeah. he went to Auxerre... I did a bit of sort of looking at it. Stadium was bigger. 
better youth development facilities, um, bigger reputational league, higher reputation of a club, even though they weren't in Europe or anything like that. They were. They have more money than Gaziantep. There's more money in France in general. I think either way, it might. Some people might see that as a backward step because he was in the Champions League with Gaziantep. But yeah. then, there's so much you can take with a Turkish Super League team, especially with the foreign player limits and things like this. So you're only allowed 14 foreign players in your squad. Um, so if you want to bring in a really good young player, then you have, like Brazilian, let's say, you have to sell one of your foreign players to replace them. So mm. it gets a bit tricky in that sense. And But then France, there's no real limits to whatever you yeah. want. Free um, reign. So, yeah, he's moved to Auxerre. They were 11th in the league when he took over. Finished 5th. Oh, he's got something about him, what a war, Jimmy, hasn't he? He's got something about him. He plays the same formation and same tactics at every <laughs> club he goes to. What is it? It's um, 4-1-2-3. So, DM, like, it's a 4-3-3 with a DM wing play. Mm-hmm. Mm. What what's the kind of positional? What's the kind of positional rules? Let me just bring it up. You can share the screen? No, no, I won't share the screen. For... It's like flickering last. Time. Oh <laughs> god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Epileptic. We're not quite there yet. Oh no. Don't yeah, want that we don't happen. want that happening. Mm-mm. So yeah, it's it's pretty much uh, your bog standard back four. Uh, you've got a deep line playmaker, sort of defense midfielder. Um, two. Then you got a box to box midfielder and a general centre midfielder, so the three in the middle. Two inverted wingers and a pressing forward. Pressing forward. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and it's it's the one thing with this tactic as well that's quite good is you concede very few goals. Very few goals. Uh, in this in this last season at Gaziantep, when he finished second, he left them mm-hmm. in second as well. No, fourth. They were fourth when he left, but they um, they conceded thirteen goals in that season. Sheesh. They weren't the top goal scorers by any means. It was a lot of like two nils, one nils, three nils, three so, three ones, but so like. What's... So I was going to say, so what's Jimmy's plans for uh, Uggsair then? What's, what's the situation? Because well, there, there was some sort of development while he was there, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, yeah. <laughs> so he got in the Europa League, so first season. he did. A, their, their squad was relatively decent, but they just underperforming. So he just came in, changed the tactic, they, they pushed on. Mm. Fifth in the Europa League. So I've just done his first full season in France, and he finished fifth again. So... In France, there's four teams that are sort of um, miles ahead of everyone else in this stage. So I'm in 2035, I want to say, so 10, 10, 11 years into the future. And PSG, obviously, Nice, Monaco and Marseille, just miles ahead of everyone. And then you've got a group mm. behind that, which is Auxerre, Rennes, Lille, Lyon. Uh, Saint Etienne, like they're all fighting for those Europa League places. So fifth place is is great, 
he managed to sign some of his best players from Gaziantep because there's a thing. It's, it's strange, like, obviously, the price for a Turkish player is significantly less than the price for a French player. Yeah. Signing one of Gaziantep's best players for like 1.1 million and then suddenly he's worth 33 when he plays in France is wild. But it means I'm going to make a profit if I need to sell him. But yeah, so halfway, I think it was around October in his first full season, he got approached by another team. So again, like I said, he doesn't apply for jobs. He was doing a good job at Auxerre. He was in six, I think, at the time. And yeah. the Europa League um, was second in the group stage thing. So had won all his mm-hmm. games in the Europa League because the squad I had was much better than the Europa League, so it was fine. Um, but he got approached by Torino in Syria. Now, the thing around this, it was a it was a tough one because Torino, obviously, a better rep. The Italian Syria probably slightly better. Yeah, than, yeah, it slightly is. better than Ligon. Um, Torino were sixteenth, <laughs> and then I took a look at their squad. They were offering less, um, similar wage budget, but less money to like overhaul the team. I looked mm-hmm. at their squad, and then I've, I think about. 12 of their players were over 31. Doesn't suit war, Jimmy, does it? Jimmy only signs players under the age of 23. <laughs> <laughs> he sells all the players over 31. No, it's, it, it, it felt like he's just done an overhaul on Auxerre, not done a full season yet. Torino have come in and he would have to go in and then completely overhaul the team again to get them going with his vision, if that made sense. Mm. So he turned it down because he thought he'd see a full season out with Auxerre. Ended up finishing fifth again. Got to the um, semi-finals of the um, French Cup. Got to the semi-finals of the Europa League. (laughs) (laughs) So not a bad season, to be fair. Fifth in Ligue 1, semi-finals of the Europa League, semi-finals of the French Cup. Reputation's growing. Beat PSG 2 0 at home. Now that Jesus. that is a good result. Lost six nil. That's a trophy. <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, that was that was that, well, that outside. I signed a couple of players from Ligue 2, so the second division in France, because uh, Lille were in there. No, not Lille. Someone were in there, like a decent team. I think it might have been Bordeaux or something like that. We're in that league and they had some very good players. Signed them at cut price. <laughs> Just sold one in the summer coming up for his second full season to Chelsea. So I signed him for 14 million or something like this. He was a left back. Really good left back. Like French as well. Mm. So I sold him to Chelsea for 68 million pounds, rising up to 80. And I was like, take him. <laughs> <laughs> I've already was stuff like that. with a two million pound player from Paraguay, so I am doing. <laughs> I'm doing the Brighton. You're doing the Brighton with Ogs there. Well, yeah. oh, to be fair, it's it, it's difficult. I suppose the the thing with the, um, the French league is it's there's there's definitely a shelf life there for him because Jimmy will want success, and I don't think. Yeah, the thing is, it's going to be. Um, it's going to be too difficult to the the only thing I with 
with this. I'm in the Europa League again, so I can have another crack at that. I lost in the semi-final to Ajax 2-1 on aggregate, and then mm. they went on to beat Chelsea in the final. So it was quite a different last At least you've lost to the winner. I think, I think losing in the semi-final to Ajax is quite quite decent, to be honest. I don't, I don't mind that. Oxair losing to Ajax. Yeah. It was probably the only two teams that have an A and an X in their name playing each other in a semi-final. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> but that's my best chance of winning something is probably not even a French competition because I'm not going to win Ligue 1 because Nice, PSG are so far ahead. Well, Nice, PSG, Monaco and Marseille. I'm sort of catching with Marseille, but the other three are so far ahead. It's ridiculous. I seem to play every other fucking week. <laughs> like I play them in cup competitions, I play them in the league, and I'm playing them in. I played them in the Europa mm. League. I got drawn against Ren in the Europa League as well. So <laughs> I seem to play against them every other fucking week. They finish sixth, so like there's a bit of a rivalry going on there to win nothing. And then the <laughs> other thing is like the Coup de France, which is the FA Cup of France, basically. Mm. Um, and I was disappointed in this one, so I lost to St Etienne in the semi-final. They went on to lose. The, they lost to um, who did they lose to? It was it was someone that beatable. I yeah, it was beatable. Um, who was it? Lons. They lost to Lons in the well, final. So it was like PSG and Nice. PSG Nice were knocked out. I knocked out Monaco. And then Marseille were knocked out by PSG and Nice in the early rounds. And you think, that's your chance then, isn't it? When all the big yeah, teams are like, that's your chance. But then, yeah, lost to Saint-Étienne. I feel like I've got a thing with Jimmy that he's got a, like a, a bottling thing <laughs> when it comes to finals. Unless it was in like Hong Kong back in the day. Like He hasn't won anything since Hong Kong. But he's he's been in better leagues. But then the, the thing is, I said I, he left Gaziantep, obviously. Gaziantep, mm-hmm. actually, they got knocked out in the Champions League in that season that he left them. They finished outside of the, even the playoff bits, which is fair enough. They're not good enough, really, to get it anywhere in the Champions League. But they ended up winning the Turkish Super League. Left them in October, they ended up winning it. It's because you set them on a course to success, that's why. Yeah, but then I don't think they would have won it if Jimmy was in charge. <laughs> Well, it's like Jimmy's the done more Hong Kong FA Cup dilemma. Never won the Hong Kong FA Cup. Always lost in the final to Kitchi. Season he left, they go and fucking win it, don't they? They did the quadruple. Oh, <laughs> That's grim. Well, with Jimmy, he's he's been in the game longer than uh, Wolfgang. So, because hmm. I, I did I, I don't have I done any updates on Wolfgang Hess. Oh, the German, my German think, alter ego. I don't think you have at all. I think in our last thing, you said you were going to create Wolfgang. Wolfgang was going to be a thing, and then potentially, if we got down the line and we have a lot of other spare time on our hands, we'll probably do a network save where we're both playing both of them. I think that would be a good shout to be fair. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll have to. I think I'll let us see how this goes with Wolfgang, and then see if he's ready to be brought out line uh, uh, on the I think on Jimmy's the line. ready for a network save. Jimmy is. Let us like Wolfgang's in a different place though. He's just early in his days, but the the thing with Wolfgang. So he started off with uh, Sonderjeski, and I'm pr- butchering the pronunciation probably. So he started out there, Danish um, second division team at the time. Uh, second division team, yeah. Got them promoted. Uh, 
second place, so went up automatically. Because um, obviously, the, it, if you don't know, the league splits as well, similar to like Rangers and Scotland League and whatever. So he he managed to get them promoted into uh, it's what's it called, the Super Prima or something, isn't it? The Danish Super League. Yeah, got them promoted into the Super League. Kind of have a rethink of formation and I he kind of abandoned his beliefs a little bit. Um, he couldn't sign anybody because he didn't have any players. The contracts for the players that he wanted to keep were just too much. So they were running out of contracts. So the board were selling players um, in their first season back that he didn't want to be sold. So there was there was friction from the start, very much like Darren Moore. Mm. Um, and then halfway through the season, we sat mid-table, but points-wise, we're closer to relegation and getting into the promotion side. Of, well, not the promotion, but the championship side of it. Yeah. And went on a losing streak of four or five games, pulled it back and managed to avoid relegation, resigned at the end of the season. Um, due to we funds like Jimmy, and then he wouldn't have stuck it through. Like Jimmy would have stuck that through. <laughs> he yeah, would have no, I think the relationship had soured. Job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, he didn't get offered a job. He just he, he resigned. Yeah. Jimmy went unemployed until he gets offered. Sacked. He didn't even apply. He can't, He doesn't know how to fill out application forms. That's what it is. <laughs> he just can't. Do it. He can't use a pen. Well, he... <laughs> Well, well, Wolfgang's got. He, he had a bit of integrity about himself, and he, he'd fallen out, and he just didn't want to be there anymore because his ambitions weren't being matched by the board. And I think he just had enough of them, and then resigned from there and got a job at a League One team called Stevenage. So he found himself all the way from Denmark, come over to uh, Stevenage, and had three games left of the season, and. Their ambition was to finish in the top half, and they were seventh at the time he took over. Uh, got beat off Millwall, who won the league. He was winning at halftime 1 0 his first game. Won the next two and missed out on the playoffs by uh, the two points he dropped against Millwall because his goal difference was already there. Uh, but the board were buzzing because it was like he technically cheated because they'd already achieved it. So the board were happy and like, oh, yeah, you're great yeah. and stuff. And then the following season, the first full season with Stevenage. Um, they were top of the league, flying on the on route to the championship, and got offered the job at his hometown club that he supports in Union Berlin, who was struggling, it's and he had a bigger. decision. He had a decision to make because he was like. Union Berlin. It's a, it's it's the Bundesliga. It's it's. It's a, obviously a much brain better brain. level. A no-brainer for him, so he thought about it, digested it, and then saw that the board had, at Stevenage had also um, were cash-strapped, had no money, and pulled all the funding for wages and set the budgets because by that point, they knew they were going up, so they'd been promoted automatically. Knew they were going up, and it was like going down to the last game to whether or not... As long as they didn't lose, they'd won the league, and they'd set all the... Uh, budgets and it was like massively slasher when I looked at the finances they were going to be hemorrhage and cash and stuff and it was most of the team that I'd built were on loan and a lot of the players that were there were aging like 32, 33 at least so when Union come a knocking he just couldn't turn it down so in his first season at Union Berlin he kept them up because they were in the bottom 
three or bottom two. Bottom two, but yeah, like, they were in the playoff in the position. Playoff, yeah. Got them out of that, and then has got a total rebuild on his hands at the moment. And he signed weirdly a lot of English players on like dirt cheap because he sold a lot of players. Like um, I can't remember the names off the top of my head now, but I sold. Um, sold players left, right and centre just to get the wage bill down and signed younger players. So I've signed uh, Makatea from Leicester, the right back slash right winger. Um, who else have I signed? Uh, Tabitha Chong. Tabitha Chong, sorry. Um, signed a couple of young German lads because that's one of the visions as well that I would that the director of football recommended. So I've signed those and they seem to be okay. And I've signed uh, Ibrahimovic on loan from Bayern Munich too. And it's gone badly. <laughs> <laughs> so for some reason, they started off the season blistering hot, beating teams left, right and centre. But then as soon as they've come up against the top teams, so Leverkusen, Munich, um, Dortmund and Leipzig, who else is it? Leipzig, yeah, there's one more. That I've missed. Munch and Gladbach. Munch and Gladbach, sorry. Munch and Gladbach. They've just they kind of compete. Just it's, you're talking two goals at least to, to nothing. Like barely any shots Damn on target. Yeah. And it's just it's just strange because like he's he's on a bit of a spell now, and I think the where it's coming where from Wolfgang with it being his Huh? Where are you in the league? Seventh or eighth, I think. Oh, so mid table then. Mid table, and it's a, they want to record a top half finish. Okay. Um, and there's still time. There's plenty of time on the board, but the, but the problem is, is that I think Wolfgang has got his 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 heart's ruling rather than his head. So yeah. he's expecting the players to give as much as him because it's his club, it's his team. It's a difficult and, uh, to take over when he's not very experienced. You know, they're no. giving it hometown man. Come good, but then like he's sort of come from nowhere, hasn't he? Maybe he needs to drop down again to a finding level again. I think it might be a case of that he'll be at Union until Union decide that he's not the man. I don't. Oh, I know he said he's got his integrity. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't think he would go. I think. I think he just paperwork. Yeah, I think. I think in reality for Wolfgang. I think the decision's going to be taken out of his hands, unfortunately. I think it's going to have to be, because I don't think he'd walk away from Union. I think so it'll be like Bielsa at Leeds. Like, yeah. the decision, the decision's being made, but nobody really wants to make it. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy had a tough spell in his last season, his first full season. So right in the middle of the year, he lost six games on the bounce. One-nil. Like it was teams against Shit. you should beat like non um teams like right near the bottom like Gingham and things like this like teams that you should beat at home losing one nil one nil one nil two one one nil and the board started to get on his back dropped down to like eighth but didn't drop oh. down because he was losing to the teams at the bottom of the league yeah. There was a thumping by Nice in the middle of that as well, but maybe that was the confidence killer. But like, yeah, the teams around him as well. So Ren, Lille, uh, Leon, they were all losing as well. The bottom. It's like a mid-season blip when all the teams in that fifth to eighth position all lost to the teams below eighth, 
and then the top four were just flying away, away at that point and then <laughs> so hmm. we just like made a gap because we had a shit middle of the season but i think i do i just think with wolfgang at the minute it's like if he I found a load of loan could, players to get around that by the way um, i think it's just the case the, the problem he's got is, is just like when the players are underperforming, like they don't put like a minimum of a 6.5 performance in, it's like straight on them. Like you need to be better. You need to be better because he wants yeah. Union to be further up. But in reality is it's a young team. He's basically signed a new squad. Their, they need time. They need bottom time. Half, bottom half, mid-table Bundesliga team, aren't they? Realistically. Yeah. Realistically they are. But then on top of that, I also think that he's desperate for success that he, whenever there's a bad performance or a bad result or a bit of a bad spell or even feel something it's like doubting the tactics yeah it's like oh this this isn't working rather than kind of look we need to get through this period and that's the thing with jimmy i guess he is consistent he plays the same tactic the same mm-hmm. formation even when in that period people were doubting it you could see it on the social media thing coming up why are we playing this tactic he's refusing to change his tactic refusing to do this signs a couple of lone players that are better suited to his tactic mm. Start playing again i think we'll we'll see uh he, he's, he's had to put in fairness though he, he's had to put his uh thinking cap on and take some time away before the next game. Um some some personal <laughs> personal things have arose there. His wife was having um deep talks with him about his uh, priorities. <laughs> so he's had to take a bit of a break. Um unfortunately it's the winter break during the uh, during the season so it, 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 he's reformed from the winter break. He's over the festive period. He's feeling refreshed. Feeling a uh, rejuvenised and uh, ready to go again. So yeah. no doubt after this week's episode, there'll be um, some further developments on uh, Wolfgang Hess. See how he's getting on in the Bundesliga. I think that's a tough job. I, like, I feel like Jimmy's hometown team is Aberdeen. I, I feel like he, he's not going to get the Aberdeen job or he's not going to be offered the Aberdeen job like anytime soon. He'd be too like, reputable now. Yeah, unless I he's think. like unless they get some guy in a cash injection and start winning the Scottish Premier League every year or um, when he's on the verge of retirement when he's like 70 or something I <laughs> just want like Roy Hodgson he might want to one, go back to one, one last yeah. swing at Palace <laughs> <laughs> my god so the but yeah go on sorry oh, I was going to say a, a bit of a catch up on what Eastern are doing at the moment mm. they have <laughs> They win everything in Hong Kong to the point that they have they don't lose a game a season now. Oof. They haven't lost for two years. <laughs> other this than is in football the AFC Champions League. Other than in so the Champions League. But yeah, they, I do, they haven't I lost do it. And I've looked at their squad and it's pretty much the same squad that I built. They're just a bit older now and they're like getting towards like the twenty seven sort of mark, so they're in their prime. prime. But that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, it's like the Jose Mourinho, but instead of to be Jimmy and Jimmy Brofer, like, football heritage. <laughs> football heritage, that. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, well, still, there's still some Scottish accents around in... Uh... <laughs> know, God. Fair, my assistant manager is still with me from Eastern. 
God, that is uh, like I, I always change my bathroom, like unless my assistant's really good. I'll, uh, yeah, well, I, I don't normally was decent to be fair. He was a regen, but he was he was decent. He is Hong Kong nationality, but he's he's decent for like league gun level. I think. And I think I've got Craig Shakespeare manager as well. <laughs> I think I've got Craig Shakespeare with us. I took yeah. him to Stevenage somehow, and then I bought him over. I like- because oh, no, yeah. normally they say like, "Oh, you can't." No, I've just signed a contract with. No, he was like, "Not of here." Like, <laughs> yeah. So, in both of the moves that I've had, so the one to Gaziantep and the one to Oxair, they've come to me before offering the job to say what backroom. Oh, the, yeah, um, like the budgets and stuff. Anyone in, and they'll pay the compensation. Mm. They'll give you a budget basically. And I've taken him and a Portuguese. Uh, coach with me everywhere because those two are like the best two out of the lot and i'm just taking them mm. torino didn't couldn't actually afford they actually gave me this option they couldn't afford it, both of them that was another decision because if you look at their stats now it says best friends <laughs> with these two people so, <laughs> these are his best mates this this hong kong lad and this portuguese fella <laughs> I don't speak a word of language, like no common language between them. Just speak the language of football. (laughs) They're trying to have a chat. Unreal. Well, mate, I'm gonna have to uh, wrap this episode up for for today. But um, yeah, Jimmy, man, he's flying. He is flying. Yeah, I'll see if I can get through any more and uh, let you know how he gets on. I feel like there's a, there's another couple of moves in him though. He he feel I feel like there's because Oxair I don't think he might break into that Champions League places, but I, I don't think so. Not not with the teams that are in there. It's going to be wants, a... if he wants to win anything. I think he's going to have to go to a league that's a bit more competitive or take over one of those four teams. But I don't know. Well, there's going to be a tipping point for him. There's definitely mm-hmm. going to be a tipping point for him. But I think. He'll be there for a couple of seasons, at least a couple more seasons, surely. Yeah, I'll but Wolfgang, I don't know. It's either going to be. It depends how hard the expectation it... gets. Because if I keep finishing fifth and they expect Champions League, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. That's true, but with the higher, you might get more budget. But Maybe. I think with Wolfgang, there's 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 not even two ways this can finish. It's not going to go successfully. It's only going to end badly. So I'm. We're in it for the ride to see the to, yeah, to see the fallout. Keep, keep plugging along and see what happens, and then you might have to just go take a step away from Germany for a bit, and maybe come back later. Yeah, <laughs> go back. Yeah, go back, I think so. Learn his trade elsewhere. Like Jimmy spent nine years in Hong Kong. Like <laughs> it didn't come overnight. <laughs> nah, like to be fair, like I thought the the Danish thing that it was going to be more of a like a maybe moving to Sweden. And maybe in like a Malmo or something like that, and then potentially go into more European. There's always, I think, taking over another going back to Denmark or even German second division or third division. Maybe you want to step away from Germany, yeah. I think so. I think he's probably going to need to leave the country. I I think it's too much too soon for him. Mm. He he, he couldn't say no, but he probably should have, yeah. I think he's right. (laughs) Maybe a Frank Lampard effect. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm definitely feeling. Too much too soon. But anyway, yeah. mate, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Yeah, likewise, mate. Here's to Jimmy and Wolfgang. All the best, everyone.
Thank yeah, you. Guys. Take it easy.